our study in the book of Romans, and we've come to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans 12. Let's read it in its context coming from verse 1. You see here he said, begins by saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In verse 3, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have been many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This morning we'll be looking primarily at verses 3 through 5. We find ourselves coming to a section of scripture that focuses largely on the church. On the church. I was reading in this book, Why We Love the Church. Um, Kevin DeYoung and, and Ted Kluck. And, and within this, the author wrote a, a letter to his, to his five-year-old. And it's lengthy. I, I, I thought I'd maybe cut out a little bit of it, but I have a little boy who just turned six and a little girl who just turned three. And as I read this, it, it impacted me just the way that I, I would want, the way that I'd want our kids to think about the church. We live, we live in a time in which it's all different kinds of thoughts about the church. The way people think about church, the way, think about, the way people think about going to church, or what, the way people think about those who are around them, and the way people think when they go to find a church that they believe that, that God might be calling them to. But he wrote this, this letter to his son Tristan, and I pray that it's a blessing to you. He says, Dear Tristan, by the time you read this, it might be hip to like church again. Right now it isn't, but luckily for us, you're five, and for your church is, for you, your church is just another place with good toys and friends and lots of space to run. You love church now. You love it for many of the same reasons we love it. You get to see your friends there every week. And you know they're going to be there because their parents and we have committed to being there. You get goldfish crackers and juice there. And while we get donuts and bad coffee, we have good coffee here, but... But the idea is the same. Friendships and relationships. You're, you're getting to know people whom you hopefully know for a long time because you share a bond in Christ. 
There may very well be times in your life when you wonder why we're making you go to church. Let me say now that we won't be doing it to make your life more difficult or because we want to be right or in charge. We'll be doing it because we love church ourselves. We want to honor God by worshiping him with other believers. We care about your spiritual growth. And let me also say that when you get to be my age, you'll understand. I understand now why your grandma and your grandpa made me go to church all those years, and I'm so glad they did. There may very well be a long period in your life when you have an indifferent or maybe even a hostile relationship with church. As I look back, the majority of my grade school years were spent in church drawing cars and football players. I I wish I could have those Sundays back, but to be honest, I'm not sure what I would do with them. I was probably indifferent, but I got to go and sit through a lot of sermons, hear a lot of scripture, and sing a lot of hymns, many of which I remember to this day and have sung in my head while being wheeled into surgery or led into a boxing ring for sparring or putting my hand in the astroturf in front of a 600, 600 pounds of ex-convict defensive linesman. linesman. <laughs> There's scripture and, and comfort in those hymns. I sang them in a cold flat in the Ukraine when I wasn't sure we'd be able to take you home. And I hurt more inside than, I'd ever hurt, than I had ever hurt in my life. In my early 20s, I visited churches that looked more like mega malls than sanctuaries. It goes on and he says, there may come a day when you look around your church and don't see very many people who look like you. Perhaps they're all married and you're not. They may all have big families and you don't. You may think nobody in church votes like you do or thinks like you do. I encourage you to ask questions to these people. Get to know them. Ask them why they're still in church after all of these years and listen carefully to their answers. I'd bet that very few of them will, will say things like, we're here because it's an obligation or because, it's, because of its vibrant discussion or to ask questions or because we've always done it. People don't give up large portions of their lives for questions. People make counterintuitive decisions like going to church for truth and for a faith that they'll take to the grave. I pray that one day you'll be able to ask your pastor about free will versus predestination. I hope you'll ask him about the Trinity, about infant versus believer's baptism. Not because these are things that divide, but because it will be evidence that you care about your faith and hold it dear. Nothing would make me happier, son. I pray that one day you'll be able to articulate what it is that you believe. Not because you'll want to use it to win arguments, but because you'll be passionate about sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And out of this good news, I pray that God will use use you somehow. I pray that you'll always be kind, that you'll have a heart for those less fortunate than you, that you'll always be moved by the struggles of others. I pray that you'll be bold in professing your faith before men. I pray that you'll meet your friends in church. I know that I've met friends in a variety of crazy places. But you can also tell that the majority of my real friends in life, the people who will be with me through good times and bad, come from church. These are the people who pray for us and with whom we do life. It's a privilege. And along those lines, I want to tell you that church is more than a soap opera that your mom and I make of it sometimes. Doing life with people isn't always pretty. People don't always agree, and sometimes those disagreements can be unpleasant. You're, going to, you're not going to like everybody in your church, 
But my prayer for you and for us is that our shared commitment to Christ will overcome this too and will grow in love and respect for everyone in our congregation. I pray that one day you'll profess your love for a special girl in front of a church full of your friends and those who worship with you. I pray that you'll commit in front of these friends and God to lead her spiritually and that your young family will be a vibrant part of, a body of, of the body of Christ. Love her with all your heart like I've tried to love your mom. I pray that God would surround you with people who challenge you to die to yourself and your sins. I pray that I'm a, I am that person at some point in your life that our relationship will be strong enough to weather it. I pray that your relationship with your wife will look a lot like the one that your grandma and grandpa have had all these years. As I type this, I've been married for 38 years, or they've been married for 38 years, and are still going strong, and the church has played a huge role in their lives. They've changed churches a few times over the years for various reasons, but they've always been committed to a body, and that commitment, I'm convinced, is one of the reasons why they're still happily married. Marriages like theirs don't just happen in our culture. I also hope that at some point you'll get a chance to experience the body of Christ through hard times. If there's one thing that I've learned in my years of church involvement, it's that hard things happen to everybody. There's sin in this world, and as a result, our bodies are in a constant state of decay, and our lives are almost always, it seems, in turmoil. Nearly every family in our church has dealt with job losses, cancer, heart disease, marital discord, infertility, the death of a child, or a married of other tough circumstances. Through that, I've seen the body of Christ work in wonderful ways. I've seen people give sacrificially with their money and their time. And their time, I've been prayed with and prayed for. We've had scriptures show up in our mailbox every day for a month. I've had the privilege of trying to pray others through their hard times as well. I've seen great men crippled by disease. These were men who were the picture of health and intellect and athleticism in their healthy years. But worshiping with them in sickness as their usefulness in this world wanes is a privilege. Seeing them make me proud of our, seeing them makes me proud of our church and proud to know the Lord. Church is a place to serve others. It's a place to be challenged. Sometimes you'll feel uncomfortable with those challenges because sometimes your life will need to change. This has been the case with me. It goes on and it's. It's about more than fundraising or networking or meeting a girl or even great things like serving the poor and reaching out to the community. I hope you'll always know that the Christian life isn't about what you can do for God, but rather what God did for you on the cross. If this message isn't central in your church, again, you may need to find a new one. But for now, you enjoy your toys. Enjoy your Sunday school classes. And I'll try to do something with the piles of paper you bring home from each week. Enjoy your friends and enjoy the knowledge you're acquiring about Christ that you ask to live, who you ask to live in your heart, who revealed himself through Scripture, and about whom you can know things. It's only through Christ that I can do even an adequate job as your father. Love always, Dad. And you look at this, and here's a letter to his son. Um, but the letter largely is saying, love the church. Love Love the local church. Be in a church in which you're a member of the church. Involved with that church. You do life with the people that are there within the church. I think of that in, in relationship to, to my kids. And 
I pray that my kids grow up loving the church, loving it, loving their friends that are there, but growing up and, and seeing the lives of, of people like Bill Acton and Faye Acton who are in their 90s and just, well, not Faye, but Bill and... and they look and they, they, they just see the, the steadfastness, passion for Christ. Others who are in the church just grow up watching your lives. I, I think of the way that God saved me. And, and I've shared this before. I, I, don't, I, I don't know the, the year that I got saved. I'm, I'm not sure. I grew up in the church. I grew up, I, I could picture my, my parents' friends, Ron and Carolyn Roars. Ron since passed away. Glenn and Jan Mashburn. People who I grew up with, and I grew up watching these people worship. Watching them sing praises with all that is within them to Christ. And I, I think of those times that were most challenging to me and in which my faith was tested. And I, I think of the great confidence that I had in this, this whole group of people that had been around me, that had, had worshipped Christ with me, who had taught me. And, and, and I just thought that they couldn't have deceived me for all this time. And just seeing that, that, that their worship was real, their love for Scripture was real, having God's Word ingrained in me to where I was able to give a reason for the hope that was within me. To be able to look and, and, and see young people who are so faithful and just serve and minister and who also love Christ. One of the greatest joys for me is as a youth pastor, when I was serving youth pastors, you see these freshmen come in and, and, and they were squirrely and, and, and they, they wanted to fit in and they wanted to be cool and they wanted to do all of the right things. But watching those that were sophomores and juniors and seniors or the college students that were there and all of a sudden what they realized was what was being cool was being single-minded and in love with Christ and worshiping him with all that was within them and just seeing that change take place within the, these freshmen that came in and watching those that were older and just saying, like, I want to be like them. They, they love Christ with the entirety of their being. To be able to, to be a part of a church in which you see older women ministering to younger women. Older women who younger women are able to look at it and say, you, you, have, you have four kids and, and they love Christ. And, and I see the fruit that's come from their lives. Can you teach me? Can you teach me about discipline? Or can you teach me about organizing my home? Or can you teach me about how to love my husband? I, how do I, I do this? And, and to be able to go through and... and to watch women do that and minister to others. To see men who are men that maybe did a job that they didn't want to do as far as we live in a time in which I see a shift that's taken place with the mindset of so many young people to where they want to get a job that's their passion. I want to do a job that's my passion, that I'm... That's, passion in my life and 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 not a mentality of I want to do a job that God provides for me and I'll work hard for the glory of God for the sake of providing for my family not what would be the most fun thing ever I I guarantee you nobody worked on a railroad and just thought this is a blast there's never been a coal miner that's been out there just like, can't wait to get into that cave again. 
They just did it. They were hardworking people with leathery hands, and they did it because they wanted to put food on the table for their kids, for their, for their spouse. And to be able to have men that go and make disciples, they spend time with the younger men, showing them what it is to love your wife, what it is to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord, what it is to, to work hard in, in business and to be someone who serves hard within the church. To be a group of believers who, who do life together. This morning, we've gathered here as a bunch of justified sinners who've been saved through faith in the work of Christ on the cross. We're here by the grace of God to exult with joy in the study of God's word, to worship the risen Christ together in song, to joyfully find hope and assurance in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the gospel, to pray together. We're here for discipleship, to learn what it means to follow Christ as our Lord and our Savior. We're here to grow as Christians to use the gifts that the Lord has given to each one of us to edify or to build one another up for within our Christian faith. We are here this morning and we experience a foretaste of what will take place for all eternity when we are before the throne worshiping Christ in spirit and in truth and with all that is within us. This is just a foretaste of that and that's why church is important. That's why gathering here together is important. We're here and I, I think of of. Revelation 4, where John's just describing what's taking place in heaven, and he says there's these four living creatures, and, and each of them have six wings, and they're we're full of eyes all around and within, and they didn't rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and And they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they exist, and they were created. And you you picture that scene taking place in heaven, where they're there, and they're just worshiping him with all that is within within themselves. And, And I just look at this, and I think, this is what we're to do now. This is just to be a picture of what's going to take place for for all eternity in heaven. And we're here, and we just... We worship him with all that is within us. We talk about him. We talk about his greatness. We talk about his sovereignty. We talk about the salvation in which we've been blessed with. And we rehearse now what we will be doing for all eternity because we see clearly now that we have been saved by faith and through grace and as the work of Christ upon the cross. And as a result, we just praise him now. And so we gather together for worship for that point. Ephesians 5 tells us that we're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for the things, for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's part of what we do here this morning. Paul said to Timothy and Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. It's part of what we do here on Sunday mornings is to give attention to the to reading of God's word, reading it together as you go through the book of Romans to, to be together for exhortation and, and for doctrine. Study theology together. 
And then you see Christ saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I just think so much of the part of what we're to be as a church is to be those who proclaim the gospel and then go out and make disciples and spend time doing that as a church and encouraging one another towards that. And so in Romans 12.3, he says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, to, to all of us, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. How are we to be a healthy church that, that takes our lives and lays them down as living sacrifices, that doesn't want to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How are we to be a, a church that is a body together that functions properly? And to begin with, we can see a major threat to the health of our church is addressed here in Romans 12.3, and that's our pride. Pride. A pride that looks and says, I don't want anybody else involved with my life. I don't, I don't want anybody knowing about my business. I don't need anybody to disciple me. I don't need counsel. I should be counseling other people. I know all these things. I don't need counsel. I don't need to be challenged in these areas. I'm not going to serve in that way. Do they know who I am? Do they know the kind of degrees that I have? Do they know what I've done before in other churches? I, mean, I, I should be in a, in a big role, or I should be doing this, or I should be doing that. Pride that is there that just fills us to say, I, I want a title. I want a little plaque on the pew that says I gave this much. <laughs> I want this or I want that. Pride that is there and God just begins by saying, through the grace given to me, Paul says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. We need each other. We need each other. I need encouragement. I need to be rebuked. I need to be able to, to be challenged. Is, is it biblical? Is that right? You do too. We need to function in a way in which we are a body and we're not proud. You, you see Paul saying to the church in, of Corinthians, foresee your calling, brethren, that not many are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And he's chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God just makes it so clear that we're in a place where 
He has chosen us. You, you, you look around this room. There's different people sitting all around you. We're all different. But nobody is here because God just needed you so badly. None of us are here because of our brilliance. None of us are here because we paid our way and we got established so well financially that we were able to make everything right. We are all here by grace and there's not many that are mighty and there's not many that are noble. There's not many that are just brilliant. I mean, many of you are far more brilliant than I am. The way your minds work. But in comparison to Almighty God, we don't know much of anything, do we? God's worked it out that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who makes you differ from another? Or what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? This mentality of don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to because the fact is, is that everything that you have was given to you as a gift. It's given to you. If you have the ability to just remember things, test well. It's given to you. If you have the ability to do incredible things athletically, don't don't boast as if it wasn't given to you. We look and we see where God just says, don't act as if you did not receive it. You hear Paul say things like, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was, it, which was with me. And so you see his mentality of, okay, I poured my whole heart into it, but just so you know, it wasn't me. I mean, everything in his mind, I, I did this, I did this, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was in me. It was God doing the work in me. That mentality of everything that we possibly could do was a result of him and not us. Paul had this clear view of himself where he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. The worst of them. I'm the worst of them. You hear in the book of Galatians in chapter 6, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so we're called as brothers and sisters in Christ to bear one another's burdens, to carry them to minister to one another through it. And, and, and God just says, if, if you think of yourself to be something when you're nothing, you just deceive yourself. God wants us to understand that we can't do anything without his enabling. You hear him, and you hear Peter likewise saying, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. And so Peter's just saying, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Be clothed with humility. And the... Early church, Augustine wrote the work called The City of God. 
And in that work, he says that two cities have been formed by two loves. The earthly, by the love of self, even to the contempt of God. The heavenly, by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. The former, in a word, glories in itself. The latter, in the Lord. There's two groups of people. One, there's a love of self, even to the contempt of God. Pride. Love of yourself, even to where I don't care what God thinks. The other is a love of God, even to the contempt of self. I don't care what happens to me. I love him. And so you see here, humble yourself. In Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 11, it begins with saying, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Yours. Yours are the riches. You've done these things. In Romans 12, 4, it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We've seen here that it begins with pride. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Then it goes from there to but think soberly. Think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But on the same token, think soberly. Have you ever heard someone just say, man, I'm not good at anything. I'm not good at anything. Um, I don't know how God would ever use me in church. I don't have anything to offer at all. And and it may be that it looks as if there's humility that's there, but in reality, it's, it's pride. It's pride. They, they may want you to say, no, come on, no. You have a lot to offer. I mean, they're not really looking for you to say, like, yeah, you're right. You're, you're lame. I mean, like, you have nothing, you know. <laughs> They're not really looking for you to agree with them. But also, sometimes it's the pride of just looking and saying, I am like this, but I want to be like that. God's gifted me in this way, but I don't like that. I want to be like this. And what God goes on to tell us is we have many members in one body. But all the members do not have the same function. There's many members here within the church. But not everybody has the same function. We live in a very individualistic culture. So the community of belonging to one another and all being part of the same body is uncomfortable and countercultural to us, I believe. We, we want to be independent. We want to be individualistic. And yet, we're not. We are... We are members 
of one body. And we don't all have the same function. You think of your body, your physical anatomy. You have, you have hands. You have arms. You have feet. You have legs. You have a nose. You have ears. You have eyes. You have a mouth. We have so many different parts of our anatomy. And every one of them is critical. You think of your body and, and if something isn't working properly or is injured or is hurt, it affects every part of the rest of your body, doesn't it? Kent Hughes wrote, when I was in college, I broke my leg and the rest of my body felt so bad it stayed up all night to keep that leg company. <laughs> and that's how we feel, don't we? You, you, you look at it and... One part of your body suffers, and as a result, the rest is there to minister to it. We all have different functions. In Ephesians 4.4, 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's one body, there's one spirit. There's many different members here. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. In verse 4, it goes on and says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. But one of the, and the same Spirit, verse 11, works all these things, distributed to each one individually as he wills. God has distributed gifts to each one of us individually according to his will. And of all of these diversities, it's the same spirit who takes the body of Christ and causes us to function. I read that letter here in this book entitled, Why We Love the Church. And can I, can I, just tell you, I, I love our church. I love our church. I, I watch God work through the members of our church, and I just, I love our church. I mean, there's some things I never hear about, but there's other things that I hear about. I, I see people where there may be a, a mom and a dad who are struggling in, financially, and I'll see members of our church just be like, we'll babysit. We'll babysit. We're, we're in a place we can we could take the kids. Um, Ted and Janie just took three kids from a family and said, "Bring them over to our house. Just bring them over." What they didn't know was going to come like a whole carload of stuff to entertain the kids for the time, but they just. Bring them over. They can spend the night. It's awesome. I look at Jack Connor. You, is Jack here? Hey, Jack. Can I talk about you for a second? Thanks. Okay, so you look and Jack is, is like the, like the most. He's like the most man's man kind of guy that I know. We, my brother and I were trying to lift this treadmill into my truck the other day, and, and it was heavy. And 
Jeff, or I think Aaron said, do you want me to call my dad to help him come lift this? And I'm like, no, are you kidding? Like, I don't care, I'll hurt my back. I'm not having him come, he'll lift it by himself and be like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, call me for help, this thing's so light, you know? He's just like this man's man kind of guy, but he goes and he teaches in the children's ministry with the little kids. And I was blessed the other Sunday, I saw all these kids running the chairs, Mr. Jack, Mr. Jack, you know? And I just think, you know, former pro football player guy, construction guy, like man's man kind of guy. And he's like kindergarten cop, you know, like in there with these kids and they just love him. Using the gifts God's given him. And you see people in different ways. I'll hear people call like, hey, I know this family's struggling. I'm just going to write a check. Can, can you make sure they, this goes to them? I don't, I don't want anybody to know who this came from. Members of the church that are here late at night just cleaning dishes after a wedding. And they just serve. People who are so quick to say, I'll help babysit. I'll do child care. People who are here that just look and say, I just want to serve. I, I'm just blessed by it. Blessed by seeing the Holy Spirit work in people's lives as you all minister to one another. PJ and Jackie Sandoval had decided that they were going to move to Menifee. Found houses there that were significantly bigger for their growing family, all the kids, and just decided, like, okay, we're moving. We're moving. We've decided. We've made up our mind. And... God graciously had them go out there when it was like 115 or 120 degrees to <laughs> discourage them a little bit. But they came back and they went to church and they said that they sat there saying, okay, we've decided this is what we're going to do. And they sat down and there was worship and people immediately came and like greeted them and just welcomed them. And they sat there and they just looked to one another and were like, we're not moving. They just love their church. We're not moving. We prayed to have fellowship. We prayed to have people around us that we knew, that we could love, that we could do life together with, and we're not moving. And I just look at that, and I just think, it's amazing. A member of our church had moved, and they were suffering and, and struggling, and a couple people just like, we'll go see you. We'll take a plane. We'll go see you. We'll minister. And the sweetness of just seeing the heart of, we just love you. Our pride makes it so that we keep walls up to where we don't ever let anybody come in. And as a result, we miss out on serving other people as well as being served. The idea of hopping from church to church, wherever has the coolest thing for that particular night, you, you miss out on the fellowship of believers to be in a place and to love each other and to minister to one another. Members of our church who are there just, I'll help you prepare for your wedding. I'll help you do these things. And just caring for one another. Turn with me for a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look with me at verse 14. For 
1 Corinthians 12, 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and are Unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. This is just an incredible passage of Scripture to talk about what it is to be one body and to look at that and say, every one of us has been given gifts that have differed from one another according to the way that God pleased it. And we can't say, I don't have need of this one or I don't have need of that one. The idea of, of looking at this and saying, we need one another. We need one another. We need to, to be a body that cares for one another. That looks at the gifts that God's given us and says, okay, but I can use this in this way. Whole teams of people that, that where it's a couple people at a time, but they come and just clean stuff once a month or every five weeks here at the church. Nobody knows that they do it, but they just come and they just clean. They're part of a cleaning team. And so it's so necessary here for us as a church. Others that come, I'll plant flowers. I could do that. I could plant flowers. Others where it's, I'll serve in nursery. I'll greet at the door. I'll help with the sound booth. I have, I have this trade. I can help with this. I'll pray. I'll be a part of Tap with His Hands and I'll sew quilts and and then we'll pray for the people and we'll give them a quilt. I can't wait to, to, to go and, and see Tracy and Nicole Thackera today and to give them a quilt. Um, and to give a quilt to, the, to their dad. And just say, it's from a church. You can hold it as you're laying in your bed. Just know, like, this is, this is your church and... They're praying for you. They're praying for you. There's a man that was not wanting to come to our church, and he's no longer here. Um, his wife, a believer, wanted to be here. But we gave him a quilt because he was going through some hard things physically. And 
his wife said that he, she was so blessed because although he didn't want to be at church, he took that quilt and just put it straight up on the wall in his office. This picture there of they, they prayed for me. Using the gifts that God has given to you and seeing that we can't say to any part of our body, I don't need you. We're all necessary. I pray that, that we would have a mindset that goes to someone who maybe their minds are failing as they get into their older years and going and saying, like, I'll spend time with them. I'll, I'll come and stay with him or with her and just so you can go do shopping. I know it's hard. You can't leave them alone. I'll stay. I'll serve in that way. Is, is there anybody in the church that struggles with that? I'll go. I'll go serve them. I pray that we'd be a church that when someone comes in that has special needs, that we just go like, just, we'll minister to them with you. We'll care. We'll help. We'll come alongside. There's no one here that we can say that we don't need. But to be a church that looks and says, we want to minister to everybody to care for everybody, to use the gifts that God's given us. And for us to function properly, you all need to stir up the gifts that are within you. We can't have the pride that looks and says, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the pinky in the body. I don't have much of a purpose. But we look and we say, like, no, I can, I can minister in the way in which God has blessed me. Next week, we'll continue to look at the spiritual gifts that God's given us. But the idea of ministering. So we, if you go back to Romans chapter 12, 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. So we here at Reverence Bible Church, being many, are one body in Christ. Individually members of one another. We need each other. We need each other. We need to, to care for one another. To pray for one another. We need to humble, humble ourselves and let people in humble ourselves and say, I'll, I'll serve in any way. We need to drive to church with the mentality of, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be used today, but just use me in some way. People who are here that just, they want to make someone who is new feel welcome. And they also want to make someone who maybe has more of a tendency to be quiet, to feel welcome. Using the gifts that God's given you to minister to one another. I pray that we would be a church who is known for our love for one another. A healthy church in which we stir up the gifts that are within us. A humble church that serves in whatever way God has given to us to serve. And as a result, the little five-year-olds that are over there, the 10-year-olds, the elderly people who are here,
would be at a place where they would grow and find themselves saying, we love our church. We love one another. And most importantly, we love Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the text before us this morning. Part of laying down our lives as living sacrifices and having our minds transformed is by humbly recognizing that we need each other. That we're many members of one body. You've gifted each one of us individually for the purpose of building up one another and it's all by your grace, your kindness towards us in doing that. I pray that the fruit that would come from that is the edification of the whole body, that we'd be built up, that we'd be encouraged, that we would trust in you and treasure you and esteem you above all things, that we would point one another to you, that we'd counsel one another from your word, that we'd minister to the needs of the saints, that we would minister to the least, to those who feel like they have nothing, that they would be esteemed because of the value that they have and being those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We're thankful for the gospel, and it is for that reason that we sing praises to you now. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.